Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. In our typical trending news episodes, we discuss a few recent newsworthy items healthcare leaders should be considering. Today, we're going to focus exclusively on stories related to artificial intelligence in healthcare. I'm here with Dynamic's Ryan Hummel, Mindy McGrath, and special guest Todd Cordier to discuss what's trending now. Welcome back, Mindy and Ryan, and welcome to the podcast, Todd. Hey, great to be here. Hi, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Great to be here. Artificial intelligence has certainly been the hot topic this year, ever since everyone's favorite generative language model, ChatGPT, came on the scene late last year. We actually had a full episode earlier this year on ChatGPT specifically, but today we're going to talk about some recent developments and potential impacts when it comes to broader artificial intelligence across the healthcare sectors. Before we jump in, Todd, can you give our listeners a quick refresher on some terms when it comes to AI? Absolutely. To me, AI is when a machine simulates human-like intelligence. These machines are learning how to interpret text and patterns, and they can make decisions from that learning. When they're able to make decisions, they extract info from places like medical records, and they're able to generate responses like what we're seeing in patient messaging. Thanks, Todd. I'm going to trust that that's your real answer, not something you plugged into ChatGPT before the recording. I would love for today, if we can go sector by sector and just talk about some potential applications, what we're seeing in terms of actual technologies, and what some of the impacts are sector by sector as we move across the healthcare industry. So let's start with life sciences. Todd, how are you seeing artificial intelligence really be adopted there? We're seeing it across the board in pharmaceutical companies, and they're leveraging it to expedite drug development. They're looking at applications in clinical trials, content generation, medical legal review. Across the board, pharmaceutical companies are investing left and right. And there was a recent article that came out saying that some of the transformational pharmaceutical firms were investing as much as 20% of their EBITDA to see realized benefit from these digital analytics and AI programs. That's a big investment for these companies, particularly in today's economic climate. What do you think maybe represents the biggest opportunity for life sciences companies when it comes to AI? It's difficult to say where the greatest benefit is going to be because there are so many different benefits that we're seeing in commercial and medical and several different areas. Anywhere that you've got an opportunity for automating a task that's highly informed by rules, regulations, structures that you can train one of those machines on we were talking about. That's where generative AI today is extremely strong. There's also the opportunity for content generation, which is a large part of what pharmaceutical companies work on. And that technology is still growing and developing. So much more exploratory, but with potentially a much greater upside, there's an opportunity to create things like advertisements or websites or other assets that pharmaceutical companies are working on today with agencies and developers that tomorrow might be an AI creating them. Fair enough, Todd. I can see why it could be hard to say what is the greatest opportunity and why perhaps we're seeing such broad investment from life science companies that they're really trying to capture the full value. 
from my own experience working in the commercial side of life sciences organizations, I can totally see the value this provides in terms of being able to keep up with the onslaught of content required as they're moving to implement true omni-channel strategies. And whether that's creating the content or moving it through med legal review, can see the upside there. But I'm curious when it comes to clinical trials, where are life science companies starting to apply that technology? We're seeing companies like Quant Health dive into utilizing AI to predict clinical trial outcomes. And they've had some phenomenal reported accuracy. So I, I think the latest I saw was 86% they could predict the outcome of a clinical trial. Which I think is so interesting when you start to hear these real world cases, right, on how things are being done. Think about how these types of data models can help accelerate and maybe to a certain extent, even de-risk drug development. And we know that process is lengthy. A lot of money is spent there. And if there is any type of tool to help drive more precision in that practice, I would think that'd be a huge benefit. Definitely, Mindy. Just the burden in these trials to keep data clean, aggregated, analyze it. There's a lot of opportunity there for human error to come in that can be really costly for life science companies. And I can see an opening for AI to really help facilitate seamless integration of this data with other databases, particularly as life science companies are more and more investigating decentralized clinical trials and having to work with a broader range of partners, hospital systems, provider networks in order to reach their endpoints quickly and effectively. We've talked a lot about the good when it comes to AI and life sciences, but I think there's probably some potential downsides or costs as well. Mindy, can you jump into that a little bit more? The thing that came to mind for me is the element of critical thinking. So we know that there's a lot of benefit, right? And being able to utilize AI to identify complex patterns and process data at really an incredible speed. I think the one thing that stands out though is that it really doesn't replace the element of critical thinking, right? You still need to layer in that aspect of it. And so I could see the downside in being almost too adoptive and too reliant on AI to do everything and not realizing that it's a tool. It's not the end all and be all. And you still need human beings to help with the input and to utilize it and layer it into the way you think about your business and in the context of your business. The other thing that comes to mind for me, whenever we start talking about technology is the continued trending topic around data protection and privacy. I think that there is a lot of concern, right? Obviously, as technology continues to advance in how organizations protect that data and that privacy and what other types of policies need to surround this type of novel technology in order to make people feel really comfortable about their privacy. So those are probably the two downsides that stand out to me. Mindy, I couldn't agree more. When we're talking about user complacency and the risk for someone to lose that critical thinking element of their role, I often talk about it in a spectrum. And that spectrum goes from an AI co-pilot that operates alongside an individual all the way to an AI replacement, an autonomous AI that's taking over a role or a task and really doing it without oversight from a person. Very often, we're talking about generative AI being somewhere in the middle, 
and somewhere in the middle presents the greatest risks to users. It's an area that research has repeatedly shown people become complacent and they lose that critical thinking edge. And if the tool is 80% or 90% accurate, they're going to less and less over time catch that remaining 20% and 10% that they really need to be vigilant looking out for. I think that spectrum framework is really helpful in terms of thinking about where AI technologies can plug in and what are the opportunities and risks across the sectors. I'd love to dive into provider spaces and chat, Ryan, with you about where we're seeing AI being leveraged across healthcare systems, hospitals, provider networks. Yeah, Jen, I'm really excited to have Todd here because when we think about AI and you integrate that into all these trends that we talk about, things like provider exhaustion, workforce shortage, all of these big, hairy issues that we're trying to work through in the provider space. We're reading all about several initiatives in that world. And we've talked about some of the incredible AI stories around diagnoses, analyzing medical images, or analyze images of skin lesions and all of that stuff. But I think, you know, at the basic level, physicians and nurses and specifically the physician community has a lot of burden around documentation. And there's been a lot of talk around AI helping to alleviate that burden. And as someone that's worked in this space for a long time, knowing physicians that are putting in 12 hour days and going home and trying to catch up to the documentation aspect of their job. I'd love to for you to go into detail with any one of those elements or trends that I've just mentioned on how AI has or could potentially help our sector out. Absolutely, Ryan. The biggest area we're seeing is with provider documentation and really trying to reclaim that pajama time for providers. What we're seeing is companies like Augmetics are coming out with automatic medical note creation after listening into a provider's conversation with a patient. AWS, Amazon is doing the same thing with HealthScribe. Team Health, a massive health system spread out across the U.S., has also create, created their own and looking at doing autonomous documentation for their providers. There's likely a half dozen other examples out there because now that the technology can accurately capture the information. And a lot of the APIs and the connections to EHRs have advanced so far. There's such an opportunity to populate what providers previously had to go in and manually update after each encounter or visit with a patient. Another area, Todd, that I think we could explore a little bit further is the excitement around the potential use of AI for clinical decision support. That's been in the news quite a bit. And I think it's an area that seemed to come top of mind to me. Because you think about in order to make diagnoses, to your point, providers must analyze things like symptoms, their medical history, test results, about all the scans, the blood tests, biopsies that occur. And AI can help physicians decide which tests to run. And we might debate this a little bit, but even help determine diagnoses. And sometimes where a treatment might not need to be what a provider said it was. I know there are companies right now exploring early intervention, and I'm thinking of Sword Health, who's got an AI engine that predicts and avoids unnecessary orthopedic surgeries. They're able to intervene earlier than ever because they can interpret data in ways we've never been able to interpret and then work with that patient with a digital physical therapist 
and an AI motion tracker that can create a new treatment path that wasn't available to patients before. Those patients were going straight to surgery and now they have an alternative with an AI generated care pathway that keeps them out of those risky, dangerous ORs. I just wanna add, I think it's a really important use case. Todd has this great recall of all of these systems that are testing and utilizing AI. And if you read big health systems like the Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Kaiser Permanente have been published as saying they're incorporating AI into various domains, including, you know, protective analytics and the clinical practice to enhance patient care. And I think about one of the most burdensome human-based areas of the provider sector is around things like building a personal plan for patients that requires so much human thinking around the medicine adherence and their their personalized plans for the future. And, and you have to aggregate all this data from an EHR. And right now we're doing it so manually. And I, and I just see that as a really great opportunity to partner with other AI companies to simulate these and figure out how to do that quickly and more accurately. Now, ultimately, it doesn't do the work for the patient, but I think those are the areas that I see as a real opportunity. And we'll have to keep close to Todd and his expertise on this to see how that's going, because I can't wait to see how that gets implemented. Calling out Mayo Clinic, they're partnering with Verily, a subsidiary of Alphabet, the company that owns Google, to come up with generative AI tools that create personalized care plans. These partnerships are happening left and right with major technology organizations. And whether it's UNC and Microsoft, Mayo and Google, or Amazon and their partners, we're seeing technology companies arm in arm with major health systems and academic health care to come up with truly revolutionary ways to provide care to patients. It's so neat, Tati, because if you think about the documentation that you've talked about and this being a documentation tool, it's such an amazing way to start to free up some of the time drain that we've talked about for physicians. And I think to some extent, maybe even reducing some physician burnout. The thing that comes to mind for me is, as we're talking about all these opportunities and applications is how much engineering resources do you need? How much investment do you need to make if you're a provider? Think about how, generally speaking, providers have had a really tough time and have been struggling financially since the COVID-19 pandemic. To me, it equates to what type of investment do they make, right? And how do they finance these types of investments to really dramatically change some of the ways that they work and take this new software and actually embed it into the organization? Mindy, I was at a Gartner webinar yesterday that was talking a lot about the spectrum of investment across enterprises. And what they were highlighting was for one of the first times or the first time that I can think of, the early investors in generative AI, so the ones at the very tip of the spear, are actually the least risky of the spectrum. Where a lot of the time Gartner talks about a more conservative approach in being an early adopter, they highlighted that for generative AI, early adopters are likely to fall behind and they consider being an early adopter riskier than if you're an early investor and trying to figure out how generative AI will transform your business operations. Just to be clear, what I mean by that is the organizations that are putting a lot of investment into this experimentation where they're really being imaginative with the uses of generative AI, that's being considered as less risky 
than waiting to see how generative AI will become applicable to a service or an operation. I think that's really important for organizations to consider, particularly in the healthcare space, where for good reason, these companies tend to be more risk averse or maybe lag in technology adoption when it compares to other sectors like consumer goods. Because we're dealing with people's health, we're dealing with patients' lives oftentimes here, you can see the hesitancy to be maybe leading edge with some of these technologies. So the notion that this will actually cost them and be riskier in the long run could be a bit of a mindset shift for these orgs. Let's round things out by talking about payers. Where are we seeing them start to move when it comes to artificial intelligence? Payers are a fascinating group to talk about right now because they've been in the news with the Cigna lawsuit and with a couple of other areas highlighting how AI has stepped in to take over automation for prior authorizations or claims denials and approvals. And there is so much room for opportunity getting that right. There are so many different nuances when you're talking about a denial that could be logistical or medical. And often payers are experimenting right now and trying to figure out what are the right lines in the sand when they're creating an AI that it should be automatically answered versus reviewed by a person. Talking about prioritization, which kind of refers to that very meaty process where healthcare providers have to obtain approval from a patient's insurer or payer to agree to cover the cost of a provider has been a longstanding thorn in the side. It's time consuming, there's financial strain, it impacts patient care, there's delayed treatments from the provider perspective, it gets complex as, as procedures get more complex, it's frustrating, it increases workload. I could go on and on as someone that's lived in that world for a long time. So. These are real, tangible, and actionable areas where if AI can cut some of this lead time and some of this complexity and go back to what Mindy said earlier, drive more precision to get the right answer, I think we're all for it. Both payers and providers are truly hoping this is the solution to that longstanding challenge. And we're talking about the AMA reporting 93% of physicians experiencing delays up to 10 days for pre-authorizations. When we're looking at how AI can impact that, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, for example, has a fast pass now. And that fast pass has decreased their average pre-authorization time from nine days to one day. In as many podcasts as we've done, I always bring it back to when it's something between sectors, ultimately who pays the price for that? And that's patients. So it's like you think about how this could even help to further put patients at the center of healthcare activity. I think this prior authorization example and maybe some of the heat that payers are getting for being early adopters really illustrates that reward risk trade-off, right? Where there's a huge upside potential when it comes to time, resources, even patient experience when you look at implementing this technology. But when it comes to all things machine learning and artificial intelligence, there is always going to be some level of risk that you have to account for because ultimately they're only as good as the data put into them. There's the saying garbage in, garbage out for a reason when it comes to machine learning. And I think 
our responsibility in building these technologies and as the the human co-pilot here is to be really thoughtful around our training sets, around the sort of parameters we're putting into these technologies, because ultimately, you know, they can have really negative unintended outcomes if we aren't providing those guardrails. Yeah, Jen, you and I were talking with Mindy about going to a conference and one of our clients was talking about not being scared of of AI, but being very wary because as you mentioned, they're only as good as the people or the training data that goes into these large language models. And they're going to be wrong. And we have to be aware of that. And we have to understand the risk of that as I look at it sometimes as when you look at a Wikipedia page, right? It's kind of a community page and and it's only as good as the actors that are putting the data in and it can be wrong, but we take a lot of things as the truth. And so this is a journey we're on and we have to be aware of that. And I'd love to hear Todd on what he thinks or how we should provide focus moving forward, knowing the great power that AI has, but also the great concern and the imperfections that exist. Ryan, there's two things that are top of mind for me. The very first is that we have to be aware that there's very little regulation right now and the opportunity for innovation and benefit is going to far outweigh the concern and the fear that would stop an organization from doing something. And that's not to say that something could be malicious or would be harmful, but there is so much room to reintroduce existing biases or open the door for inappropriate allocations levels of confidence that ultimately result in delays in care, that lack of regulation means that organizations have to responsibly innovate. There's an ideology around this responsible AI where you may not be able to resolve everything that the AI is going to be pulling on from its training set or the impact that it might have to a smaller population. But if you're looking at holistically how the AI is going to improve the health of individuals, there is tremendous opportunity to keep advancing the conversation, keep innovating, being imaginative with the areas that we can apply something like a generative AI. And that creates a lot of opportunity, even in a high-risk environment. I also want to call out that when I talk about high-risk environments, very often you hear people sidestep how high risk the current environment is. Generative AI does come with its challenges and its issues and its risks to things like patient care, but there are mistakes and delays and other issues happening today with our current system. And when I talk about responsibly innovating, I don't necessarily mean reaching 100%. All I mean is that we're evaluating and comparing what it is we do today to what it is we are thinking about doing tomorrow and finding that balance between advancing what is truly improving the health of individuals and areas where we're realizing that might not be the case. So well said, Todd, and such a powerful mindset for these organizations to take as they're looking to innovate and adopt these technologies. Every month I say that the only constant in the healthcare industry is change, and I can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. But I think it's clear when it comes to AI, things are changing faster than ever. And I'm really excited to see how the industry progresses. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.